Hello and welcome to the Activate Podcast. My name is Jill Pelkey and it is a pleasure to be with you today. I'm excited that you've joined us. Um, And if you want to hear more from the Activate Podcast, you can check us out on iTunes or on soundcloud.com. Well, let's pray and then let's get right into the Word of God. Jesus, I thank you that we have access to God through you. We thank you, God, today for another day to serve you, another day to be in the presence of Almighty God. Lord, I ask that you would open up our hearts. God, open up our understanding because we want to know more about you. We want to be more like you. Thank you for your word that teaches us. Thank you for your word that corrects us and shows us who you are. God, I pray that you would move in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're going to take a look at Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16 is talking about committing our ways to the Lord. Another version says, depend on the Lord in whatever you do. Commit your ways to the Lord. Many of us would very easily respond to that one verse in Scripture and say, I do depend on the Lord. I do commit my ways to the Lord. And we very easily feel that uh, we are justified in the things that we do. We feel like uh, our, I'm a Christian. And so based on that fact, that belief that I have, that everything I, I am is for God. But when we back up in, in Proverbs chapter 16, one verse uh, to verse 2, because verse 3 was commit whatever you do to the Lord. It says, all a person's ways seem pure to them. But motives are weighed by the Lord. All our ways seem pure to us, but our motives are weighed by the Lord. God can see things in us that we are blind to. He can see the reason behind why we want to help someone or why we would go out of our way to do something. He knows if it's motivated out of pride or out of love that comes from Him. We're blind to it so many times. That's why it's supernatural. That's why uh, (laughs) the Bible can go in and it can divide, rightly divide our hearts. It can show us things that we can't see on our own. It separates uh, even bone from marrow, it says. (laughs) So like dissects us to see really what's going on inside of us. So the verse that says, commit your ways to the Lord We have to realize that God sees more than we see. He sees more than other people see. He knows our hearts and our motives. So we're going to take this verse and we're going to flip over to Isaiah. A very uh, popular part of Isaiah is his calling in Isaiah chapter 6. And this is his commission. And many people know this by heart, but I'm going to read it. In Isaiah 6, 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their face, and with two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying and they were calling out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. And if you grasp that for just one second, God in the train of his robe and holy, holy, holy is being called out continually around him. And here's Isaiah's response. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. 
Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He knew who he was. He knew who he lived around. He recognized in a humble way that he was no good compared to God. Many of us need to get back to that place to remember who God is and remember who we are. Very easy, very easily we get a God complex ourselves. After we've been serving God for so long, we begin to think that we are something, that we have earned something, that we have reached a rank or we have climbed a ladder. We have done this for so many years that we become like the older brother in the parable of um, the the younger brother who leaves and asks for the, the inheritance. We become that older brother who thinks that he's someone who hasn't really done much wrong in a long time. Because most of us who have been serving the Lord for a long time, we've get, gotten rid of all the outward sins. And so we may no longer, people look at us and they see good They look at our outsides and they're not dividing bone from marrow. They're not dividing uh, rightly our motives and intentions. They don't see the works of our heart. And quite honestly, we don't see it anymore either. And we begin to think that we are holy, 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 holy. But there's only one that's holy, 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 and that's God himself. And so Isaiah realizes who he is. And I hope that today we could realize just for a, a, a moment who we really are. And he says, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth, and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And for us, that's the person of Jesus Christ. And anytime we ask for forgiveness, we become completely whole and right before God again. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. And he said, go and tell the people, be ever hearing, but never understanding, be seeing, but never perceiving, make the heart of these people callous, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And I said, for how long, Lord? How long will I preach to these people and they won't listen? How long do you want me to do this with people ridiculing me, coming back at me and not believing what he said? And the Lord answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitants, until the houses are left desolate and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid to waste. But as the terebinth and oak leaf stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. Isaiah recognizes that he's not holy, and God touches his lips, and for that moment he, he is made right and one with God again. And in that moment, the Lord commissions him to go and to do an impossible task where he'll have to depend on the Lord. Because to other people it won't make sense. And it will be hard. He says, how long? He says, do it until everyone's gone. And then do it some more. Until even that, that remnant is, is even smaller and cut down. There will only be a few left. Isaiah recognized who he was. He recognized who God was. And he committed himself to the Lord, even though it was going to be hard. In Isaiah chapter 16, we uh, flip all the way over here. And it's talking about 
the pride of other nations, and specifically this group, the group of people called the Moabs. And the Lord is saying that they're going to be destroyed, that they're prideful. So we're going to look in, in 16. Uh, we're going to read just right, right through. Send lambs as tributes to the rulers of the land from Selah across the desert to the Mount of Daughter Zion. Like fluttering birds pushed from their nest, so are the women of Moab at the fords of the Arnon. Make up your mind, Moab says. Render a decision. Make your shadow like night at high noon. Hide the fugitives. Do not betray the refugees. Let the Moabite fugitives stay with you. Be the shelter from their destroyer. The oppressor will come to an end and destruction will cease. The aggressor will vanish from the land. In love, a throne will be established. In faithfulness, a man will sit on it. One from the house of David. One who in judging seeks justice and spreads the cause of righteousness. We have heard of Moab's pride. How great is her arrogance, of her conceit, her pride, and her insolence. But her boasts are empty. Therefore, the Moabites' wall will wail together for Moab. Lament and grieve for the raisin cakes of Kerharash, the fields of the Hessian wither, the vines of Sheba also. The rulers of the nations have trampled down the choicest vines, which once reached Jazar and spread toward the desert. Their shoots spread out. And we're as far as the sea. So I weep as Jazar weeps for the vines of Shimma, Heshbon, and Elalah. I drench you with tears. The shouts of joy over your ripened fruit and over your harvest have been stifled. Joy and gladness are taken away from the orchards. No one sings or shouts in the vineyards. No one treads out wine at the presses, for I have put an end to the shouting. My heart laments for Moab like a harp, my inmost being for Ker Harash. When Moab appears at her high place, she only wears herself out. When she goes to her shrine to pray, it is to no avail. This is the word of the Lord has already spoken concerning Moab. But now the Lord says, within three years, as a servant bound by contract would count them, Moab's splendor and all her many people will be despised, and her survivors will be very few and feeble. My friends, I am afraid that we have one of two choices. We can be like Isaiah, or we can be like Moab. Isaiah knew who he was, and he knew how great God was. He knew that the task before him would only be possible if he depended on the Lord, and he decided to do it anyway. We can be like Isaiah, or we can be like Moab, who has pride in her heart. This is a nation, but, but God is referring to her here. The Lord's referring to her as a person, as one single person, even though she is a huge nation. Moab has great pride and arrogance and insolence, and she, her boasts are empty. And it says that the Lord will destroy her completely because of this. The Lord will uh, completely destroy everything about her. And the people will weep and wail because her boasts were in herself and her boasts were empty. What's super important here is Isaiah 16, 11, when talking about Moab my heart laments for Moab like a harp, my inmost being for Ker Harash. When Moab appears at her high place, she only wears herself out. When she goes to her shrine to pray, it's to no avail. That's because Moab has not committed herself to the Lord, but committed herself to herself. And she wears herself out. Let that sink in. She wears herself out. 
She goes to her, pr- her shrine to pray, but to no avail. Her hope is in the wrong place. Let's go back and look at our, our, our main scripture here. Proverbs 16, 3. Depend on the Lord in whatever you do, and then your plans will succeed. I'm backing up that the Lord looks at the intents of your heart, the motives, the why of what you're doing. Isaiah's why was in complete surrender. His why of, of why he would preach and talk to the nation even when they wouldn't listen, his why was pure motives. It was knowing that the Lord is holy and wanting to serve him and serve him alone. But Moab's motives were to promote herself. And it broke the heart of the Lord. He was saddened. He wept for her because she was wearing herself out. I want you to begin to consider some things in your life. Are you depending on the Lord? Are you depending on the Lord? Let's look at that first. We can depend on people in different ways. I want you to imagine having a dinner party and you have a whole group of people coming over and a certain person asks you, what can I bring? And you look at the person and you know that they might not show up. If they do show up, they might show up late. If they show up at all. And so what do you ask them to bring to the dinner party? You ask them to bring the rolls or the bread, right? Because even if they don't show up, you're no worse for the wear. And probably you have bread um, in your fridge or in your drawer or pantry or something that you could pull out to replace in case they don't actually show up, right? You're not really depending on them. You've got a backup plan. You've got everything else under control. If they show up, great. But if they don't, it's all right. Many of us treat God like that in our plans. We make a plan, but we are not depending on the Lord. If he shows up, great. But if he doesn't show up, we have a backup plan and something to cover it up. And he was only an afterthought or a side piece anyways. He wasn't the main deal. And we're all set. Are we treating the Lord like that in our lives? And a second way is uh, you have another friend that says, what can I bring? I really want to help. And you say, I want you to bring the lasagna. I want you to bring the main dish. You're really depending on that person. If that person doesn't show up, There's no main course. You're depending on that person. You're trusting them. Without them, the plan does not work. Without them, it'll be super embarrassing. Without them, um, this whole thing falls apart. That's how we need to treat the Lord. He's the main course, right? If he doesn't show up, it all falls apart. But so many things in our lives are dependent on us and not dependent on God. What things in your life right now are dependent only on God? That if God were not to show up, then it wouldn't work. Time and time again, God shows us in Scripture how He wants us to depend on Him. He wants to be the focus. He wants to be our everything. And many times people will say to me, I'm not hearing from the Lord. I want to hear a word from the Lord, but I'm not hearing Him speak to me. And that's because he doesn't want to be a drive-through God. He doesn't want to be a fast food kind of God where you just drive through the drive-through and quick get your answer and you're gone. He wants to spend time with you. He wants you to seek him, to seek his face. He wants to show you great and mighty things that you don't even know yet. He wants to impart wisdom to you and understanding that only comes from him that's supernatural. But we want a quick answer. We only want to go to him like a genie in a bottle. We want him like a fortune cookie. 
We want to read just snippets of the Bible and apply it to our lives and walk away quickly. You know, when the Israelites left Egypt, they were slaves in Egypt for years and years and years, and God miraculously delivers them. And they're out in the desert. They're free from slavery. And they begin to complain, and they want to go back to Egypt. They want to go back to the place that they were slaves. Because it was so much easier to, de- to depend on people than it was on a God you couldn't see. It was so much easier. They said there was food in Egypt. And we could depend that our slave owners would give us food. Let me go back to my slave owners because I know I can uh, depend on them. And all God wanted to do was to show his mighty power and say, you can depend on me. I will give you more than enough. But for us, it's easier to depend on people we can see. It's easier to depend on ourselves. And many times we want to go back into slavery areas of our own lives. We want to go back to old ways of lives that God has already set us free from. Crutches, addictions, things that we lean on instead of God, and He just wants us to lean on Him. So many times in the Bible, the same uh, scripture is, is repeated with different different words, but the crux of it goes um, that the eyes of the Lord search the earth, looking for one, looking for one that is truly His. He wants to make them strong. The Lord searches the earth for one that will depend on him completely, that will be like that Isaiah, that will say, I know who I am, and I want to depend on you. Here's the other thing, that not only do we not depend on the Lord, but we forget to realize who we are. And when we forget to realize who we are, pride seeps into our lives. When pride is in our lives, Jesus cannot be. Pride comes before the fall, right? A a haughty heart, a heart that's full of, of ourselves. God weeps for that because there's no room for him. We have to realize that everything that we've ever accomplished is because of God. Everything that we've ever had is because of God. When we begin to elevate ourselves, then we make our own plans and we're depending on ourselves. Proverbs 3 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. We have to stop depending on ourselves, making our own plans and making Jesus the extra that if He shows up, great. But if He doesn't, I'm still okay. We need to hear the voice of God. We need to do the things that He tells us to do. Like Isaiah, know who we are. And then our plans will succeed. There's another verse uh, later on in Proverbs. It's in Proverbs 16. I'm going to look it up here. It says, oh, it's in Proverbs 19, 2 through 3. It says, a person's own foolishness ruins his life. But in his mind, he blames the Lord for it. I'm going to read that again. Proverbs 19, 2 through 3. A person's own foolishness ruins his life. But in his mind, he blames the Lord for it. And those those are those situations where we go back to those Egypt-type places in our lives. We go back because we want to depend on a person. And then it doesn't work out. The person doesn't work out. And we blame the Lord. And the Lord says, I already delivered you from depending on people. I want you to depend on me. I already delivered you from depending on people. I want you to depend on me. I'm going to say that one more time. 
God's already delivered us from having to depend on people. We don't depend on a priest to bring us to God. Jesus made a way that we have direct access to the Father. In Jeremiah uh, 31, it talks about the new covenant that God makes with his people, that God has made with us for today. Jeremiah 31, we'll start in verse 31. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was like a husband to them, declares the Lord. Verse 33. Jeremiah 31, 33. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, and this is what's happening to us today in 2018, I will put my law in their minds and I will write it in their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or they will say, or say to one another, know the Lord because they'll already know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Jesus is saying that we'll no longer need a teacher to teach us who God is because we'll know him. We'll have direct access to him. And that prophecy has come true. That's speaking about when Jesus comes. It's speaking about 2018. That's speaking about today that we can know the Lord. And it reminds me about, uh, about Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the apostles and then Peter begins to preach. And he says, uh, he quotes Joel in the Old Testament, the prophecy that Joel gave. I'm going to turn to it. It's Acts chapter 2. And he says, he quotes the prophet Joel. And he says this, in the last days, 2018, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, all, A-L-L, all people. You and me, every single person, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. The Holy Spirit has been given to literally Jew and Gentile. That means every people group, male and female, every, each gender, Servants and free, every social class, the Spirit of the Lord has been poured out. There's access to God like never before. We live in this age of the Holy Spirit where we have direction from the Lord. Why would we ever depend on ourselves? Why would we ever depend on another person? We no longer need to depend on a person to bring us to God. Jesus was the ultimate Adam, the ultimate person who broke every barrier, who tore the curtain in the temple so that we could have access to Jesus or access to God through Jesus. We have access to God. Our dependence is on God. We have to give up all control and let everything we have commit it to the Lord so that he can direct our paths. We can either be like Isaiah, who knew who he was and depended on God. Or we can be like Moab, who thought she was great. And she wore herself out, praying to the wrong God. Now, all of us would say we don't pray to anyone besides God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. 
but in fact, our actions show differently. That way, maybe we won't say out, out loud a, 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 a prayer to something else, but we depend on something besides the Lord. That's putting our faith and our hope in, in something or anything besides the Lord. And that's being like Moab. And God's heart breaks for that. He says, I'm going to have to bring that to destruction. I'm going to have to bring that to ruin. All I want, I'm searching the earth for someone that's truly mine, someone that will depend on me. And it brings us right back to our opening scripture in Proverbs. Depend on the Lord. Depend on the Lord in whatever you do. Depend on the Lord, not other people. Depend on the Lord, not yourself. Depend on the Lord in whatever you do, and then your plans will succeed. Depend on the Lord in whatever you do, and then your plans will succeed. Jesus is the one bringing the main dish. He's not the one bringing the rolls. You have to depend on him. You have to take the dependence off yourself. You have to give up control and say, God, I will trust you in every area of my life. I will trust you in the things that you have called me to do. I will trust because God, without you, these things cannot happen. If they can happen in my own strength, then they're human things. But they, if they happen in the strength of the Lord, they're supernatural. And I want to do supernatural things. I want to recognize who I am. I am a person of unclean lips. I am a person who lives among other people of unclean lips. That means I know that I'm a sinner and the people I live around are sinners. And I want desperately to be close to God. I want desperately to be in the presence of a God that seraphim are crying, holy, 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 all day, all the time. I want to be in the presence of that God because only he has the power to make me holy. The things I do don't make me holy. The places I go don't make me holy. The people I hang out with don't make me holy. Only God himself makes me holy. So I want to be in the presence of God. I want to recognize who I am, and I want to do what he asked me to do, depending on him to make it happen. I don't want to be like Moab. I don't want to puff myself up and praise myself in front of other people. I don't want to build my own temple. I don't want to build my own self. I don't want to pray to false gods through my actions, through my habits, through the things I lean on that are not God. I don't want to wear myself out. I don't want to break the heart of God with my pride, thinking that I'm better or somebody else is better than God. I don't want to depend on somebody else more than I depend on God. I, want to, I don't want to depend on myself more than I depend on God. Where is your dependence today? Is it on God? Because if it's on anything else, it'll come to ruin. Just like it said with this prophecy about Moab, in three years' time, as a bondservant would count it, you will be completely destroyed. I don't know what the timetable is for you or for me and the things that we're not depending on God in, but I know that they will be destroyed. They lead us to ruin. Why not depend on God now? Why not take each and every area of our lives, every relationship, every decision, and commit it to the Lord? Only He can direct our paths to things that aren't prideful, to things that will bring Him all honor and glory. You know, Isaiah brought honor and glory to God as he preached and no one listened. You know, Isaiah brought glory to God as he stayed the course when everyone left. He said, how long, Lord? He said, keep going. Even till a remnant is left, keep going. Isaiah was not in it for the crowds and the cheers. He was in it to honor the Lord. May it be with you as well. 
We have to let God be our guide. We have to depend on God in every area of our lives. Let's pray. God, we want to honor you. God, we want to realize who we are and who you are. God, I pray that if there is pride in our hearts, you would reveal it to us so we can get rid of it. God, if there's things in ourselves that want to puff ourselves up, if we're building shrines to ourselves, if we're doing things only to bring honor to ourselves, God, I pray that it would stop. God, I pray that we would live only to bring you honor, that we would realize how great and how big you are. And that, God, we would trust supernatural plans. That, God, we would depend on you. That, God, we would have things in our lives that if you don't show up, they wouldn't happen. God, I pray that you would be that main thing in our lives, not an afterthought. God, I pray for those of us who are depending on people and not on you, that we would no longer put our trust and hope in people. We would put our trust and hope in you. God, direct our paths. Direct our paths, God. I pray that we would seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, and then all those other things would be added unto us. I pray that we wouldn't treat you like a fast food drive through but God, we would spend time in your presence. We thank you for Jesus who opened the door so we could walk right into the throne room, so we could walk right into your presence and sit at your feet. And I pray that today we would do just that. Help us to sit at your feet and hear your words of wisdom and listen to what you say. Help us not to be prideful, but to depend on you. In Jesus' name, amen.